We are finishing today a four-week series. We started three weeks ago. Today will be the fourth lesson in a series called Jesus Is. Uh, really, it's based on four Bible doctrines. I told you I let the cat out of the bag last week from the, uh, from the uh, church, the Foursquare Denomination, founded back over 100 years ago, or right around 100 years ago, uh, right up the road from uh, in, in Los Angeles by a woman by the name of Amy Semple McPherson. If you want to do a little search on her, you will be astounded at how God used her with signs, wonders, and miracles. She was used by God in a crazy prophetic way, in a way that was just unused before for that certain time up in L.A. that she actually reached tons and tons of thousands of people that were in Hollywood. She, she reached them with performances and all kinds of theatrics that she did with, with uh, skits and productions and music. And, and not only that, but, but people got saved, people got healed. There were signs, wonders, and miracles that God used through her to reach out to other people. And through that, they, had a, they started a denomination called the Four Square Denomination. It is a Pentecostal, it's an apostolic denomination and roots that we find even what what we believe, of course, meshed into what they believe as well. And I've been bringing these four thoughts to you. I don't want to tell you the first because you might have shut me off on week number one. But last week, I let you know about these four thoughts that every, even though you know that, I know you agree with that or you should agree with that. Everybody in the room and online as well. First week, we talked about Jesus as Savior. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Uh, we found out that he saves us from the power, dominion, and control of sin, of Satan, and he saves us for relationship. So, so I want you to get, get the picture that God takes us out of the world, but he just doesn't leave us. He brings us into relationship with the Father God. That you, you never have to go through life alone. You're in a family. A loving Heavenly Father loves you. And so if you ever mess up, you have a, a, a train wreck in your life, you have someone to run to, not to someone to run from. Jesus is our Savior. Last week or two weeks ago before that, we talked about Jesus is our healer. We found out from Isaiah and that Jesus actually fulfilled a, prof a prophecy from Isaiah in chapter 53 of the book of Isaiah. The whole chapter deals with this messianic psalm, or excuse me, me messianic prophecy of who Jesus was, who this person that they were going to look for would be, how he would live, how he would act, what, what he would fulfill. And we found out that the same sacrifice that Jesus took away our sin on the cross, he took away sickness and disease. We have the ability to walk through life whole. Come on, somebody. We have the ability to finish our course, not get taken out early. We, we know things happen in life. There's some things that concerning healing, as I've spoken before, that are just mysterious, meaning I can't figure it all out. But I do know that he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So my faith is going to stay hooked up to God's good. He's a savior and God also is a healer. Can I get an amen? I don't know anybody that's sick that doesn't want to get better. And so I can't say that knowing that of who God is and how good he is to us, God doesn't put sickness on us. We can't find that in the scripture. We find that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So sickness and disease should be something we resist, not that we welcome. Amen, everybody. 
Come on, say it with me. Jesus is my healer. Come on, Jesus is my healer. Last week we talked about this. Our third installment was that Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. We found out that when Jesus was so excited, he said, when I go away, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you forlorn. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. And he says, I'm going to send the promise of my father to you. And the promise was the person of the Holy Spirit coming to every believer, filling them. Come on, you don't have to go far to find God. Every believer, God lives up on the inside of you, right in your spirit. Your spirit now is one with him. You're created in his image and his likeness. You are now one with him. Come on, everybody. He's your father. You're his son. You're his child. You have right and access to everything that belongs to Jesus through his death, resurrection. Come on, somebody. And his ascension right now. Jesus is Lord. And he said, when I go away, I'm going to send somebody just like myself. And he sent us the Holy Spirit. We found that out in Acts chapter 2, that when the Holy Spirit was poured out, out. These 120 in the upper room, they got filled with the Holy Spirit. They all got tongues like licks of tongues on their forehead. Come on, that means passion for life. Come on, everybody. That, that I've, I've got purpose for my life, that things in my life that try to try to take me off course, the fire of God. Come on, come on, somebody can burn things up in my life. Come on, everybody. Come on. I don't have to stay the same. And, and that we also found out that he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, meaning he, he, we found out everybody that got baptized with the Holy Spirit got the ability to preach, uh, excuse me, uh, speak in this heavenly language as God gave, gave them utterance, gave them the word. So thank God for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Come on, anybody baptized in the Holy Spirit in the church today? Come on, any, anybody, come on anybody back in the back baptized with the Holy Spirit? Yeah. So our far, fourth lesson Finishing it all up today, buttoning it up, putting a bow on it, is this. Jesus is coming again. Come on, somebody. Can you say that out loud? Jesus is coming again. Uh, you know, uh, throughout all my uh, time preaching, you know, for 37 years now, people would come up to me and people would say, do, do, do you believe these are the last days? You know, there's always been something going on. I don't care what generation you lived in. If you lived back, you know, World War I, you, used to think, you, you would think that Stalin, you think with that whole thing going on then, that, that surely the, the, the end of the age is here, that this is it. And, and then World War II happened and everybody thought that Hitler was actually the Antichrist and, and, and world government and it wasn't, is it the end? And then you had all kinds of wars and rumors of wars that the scriptures say are going to come. But we know you're here, I'm here, the, the end hasn't come in. But, but people ask, you know, are these the last days? And my response is always, well, these are your last days. M meaning you're not going to live forever. M me meaning your, your days are numbered. We, we, we know that. We don't know exactly how long we're going to live, but, but one day we are going to, uh, those that made Jesus the Lord of their life, you're, you're going to die and you're going to spend eternity with him and you're going to rule and reign with him forever and ever. So, so let's just kind of, let, let's, let, let, let's reorganize and reshuffle our brain. Not so much thinking, is Jesus coming soon? But we'll talk about uh, that that will benefit you. But not, not, not being overcome with that and it paralyzes us, but, but Jesus coming soon should motivate us. Come on, everybody. To do something with our lives, Jesus is coming soon. 
We'll talk about what soon means in a moment from the scriptures. But we know that last days, that phrase last days, actually began what we said a moment ago. When the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. Because the prophet Joel says in the last days, God's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Young men are going to see visions. Old men are going to dream dreams. And I'm going to pour out my spirit on my handmaidings and my, and my servants in those days. And so we know that actually happened 2,000 years ago about that in Acts chapter 2. So, so scripturally, theologically, we are living in last days right now. So, so when people say, can, can, you know, when's Jesus coming back? And I could just simply say, Jesus can come back anytime he wants to come back. Come on, everybody. And so what, what am I, I, I know from the scripture, and we'll talk about it, that, that we can see scripturally that Jesus is going to come back. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But, but what, what kind of people should we be if that is actually so? If he is really coming again, that's the point this morning. If he's really coming again, and theologically we'll talk about it, we'll, we'll nail that, we'll put, put that nail in the coffin, if you will. But now, what do I do with my life? For, for the remainder of my life, how should I be living my life? That's the point. That's the thought that we'll look. Uh, the last two verses in the book of the Bible are really interesting because it's John exiled to the Isle of Patmos. They can't kill this brother. He was the last living disciple. Everybody else had been beheaded, had been martyred, had, had been killed. Peter was, they, we believe, he was crucified upside down. Uh, everybody had been killed, but they couldn't kill John. The, 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 uh, they tell us, historians tell us, they tried to actually boil him in hot oil and the brother wouldn't die. And so they said, what are we going to do with this brother? It seems like God must be protecting him. So they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos. And while he's there on the Isle of Patmos, he sees and gets the revelation of Jesus Christ. So come on, let me just tell you right now, if you are in the valley of the shadow of death, if you are in the hell camp right now, God can still find you and talk to you. Amen, everybody. If all hell's breaking loose on your life, you just look to Jesus. Jesus is going to give you a word in due season. Come on, everybody. Yeah, and, and so he gets this revelation and he writes it all down and there's some crazy stuff and there's some stuff that he talks to him about in chapter two and three about these seven churches that were real churches and, and yet has stuff to do with our age. Uh, I don't believe that there are set um, uh, um, uh, generational churches that mean things going on back hundreds of years ago and now we're living in the Laodicean church, that last church. I, I believe we can see that we're in all of them right now. Uh, but all that said, he gets this revelation and the last thing that he actually writes is something Jesus said and, and then John makes comment of it I want to draw your attention to it Revelation chapter 22 verse 20 check out what it says right here he who is the faithful witness that's Jesus to all these things he says yes I am coming soon can you say that with me yes I am coming soon. Then John says, amen, come Lord Jesus. The last thing, the second to the last verse in the entire Bible, Jesus lets us know that he is coming again. I am coming 
soon. Now, now here is the word that's thrown everybody off forever is Jesus says, I'm coming soon. Well, what, what's soon kind of mean? You know, while I'm popping popcorn, I've got it figured out right now. I get my popcorn at Costco and I put it in the microwave and I don't care what it says. I know what I'm cooking it at. I put it at one minute and 39. Sometimes if I go crazy, I'll go to one minute and 40 seconds. Come on, somebody. If I really risky, if I'm trying to get a couple more kernels popped, because there's a balance. Come on, everybody. You know what I'm talking about? There's a balance between being burned and being good. Come on. Anybody ever burned your popcorn like me? Yeah. Yeah. Did you eat it anyway like me? Come on, somebody. Yeah, I ate it anyway. I made me another batch too. Uh, but, but you say like, when's that thing going to come? Soon. It's going to come out soon. It's going to come out soon. You ever taken a road trip with your kids? Probably. Go up to Disneyland. What do you do as soon as you get in the car? The kids say, are we there yet? Uh, 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 how far? And you say, it's going to be soon. It's going to be soon. It's a relative term. But here, when Jesus says, I am coming soon, let me give you some words that will kind of couch this thing together that we can sit in for a minute when he says, I am coming soon. Here's what it actually means. Soon means without any unnecessary delay. This event has been set in motion, Jesus' return, it has been set in motion that will usher in his arrival. Everything is moving along according to God's timetable. Listen to me, uh, if you want to screenshot one thing today, get your phone out, screenshot that every now and again, once a week, remind yourself, God is coming back. Jesus is coming back without unnecessary delay. It's all been set in motion. The time for him to come is perfectly timed. You don't have to panic. You don't have to worry. You don't have to get agitated. You don't have to get upset. It is all set. And if he hasn't come back today and it's not tomorrow, he's going to give you power to go through whatever you're going through. He's going to strengthen you. Come on, somebody. Come on, church. He's going to be your Lord. He's going to be your God. He's going to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he hadn't come back, the word is still working mightily and whoever's going to believe the word. And then then the the very, you know, Peter says this. Peter kind of comes along uh, with this same thought in in 2 Peter chapter 3. I love this verse because he just says the same thing. He says, the Lord is not slow in doing what he promised. Now, now some of us would think that he is slow. Some of us would think that, what don't you get? Look at the world right now. I mean, I mean, if I was you, I would have come back again 21 years ago after 9-11. I'd have come back and I'd have wiped all them folks out that, that, that tried to wipe us out. I, I, if I was a, if I was a, a Jewish person in, in the 40s, I would say, where is my Messiah? How come you're not wiping out this evil that's trying to kill all of, our, all of, all of us people? If you were certain African tribes that have gone on for centuries where different countries, different tribes, different people groups would come in and wipe out other people groups, you would be crying out to God. Seems like you're slow. Seems like you don't care. And we know the validity of all that is, is got some truth to it. The Lord is not slow, though, in doing what he promised. The way people understand slowness. But God is being patient with you. He does not want anyone to be lost. But he wants all people to change their hearts and their lives. He wants people saved. Jesus tells a parable over in the book of Matthew before his return. 
And he says, God wants his house full. So he tells the people, the servants, go on the highways and byways, compel people to come in. And he, and he says, there, there's still room. Uh, he's, people giving excuses. I've just married somebody. I bought some oxen. I've, I've got to check on this. I've got to do some business. And, and he says, my house needs to be full. Listen to me. Concerning us as the church of Jesus Christ in this day, we need to take it as our responsibility that if my father wants a full house, I want a full house. Come on, everybody. If my father wants people in church, I, I want people in church. If my father wants me to lay down my life, to use my gift and talent to reach other people, then I'm going to lay down my life just like Jesus. God doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everybody to have and enjoy everlasting life. His slowness is somehow tied to his wanting more and more people to be filling his house for eternity. So let us take that mantle. Let us take that assignment. Let us be includers and inviters. Let us reach people who are far away from God, who don't know God. Let us be people who find people in tension, in trouble, in trials, and reach them with the very life and the love of God so that his house can be full. Can somebody in the church say amen? He wants lost things. We know from Luke 15, he wants lost things found. Lost coin, it needed to be found. Lost sheep needed to be found. A lost son needed to be found. Anything lost needs to come back home and be found. This second to last verse, I'm, com I'm coming, he says, I I I'm coming. I'm coming soon. And John says, amen, come Lord Jesus. And the very last book of the Bible, the very last verse of the Bible in Revelation 22, verse 21, says this, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people, amen. The, the very last thing, the very last icing on the cake, the, the, the bow around the present that God leaves us with in, in his 66 books, is that I'm leaving you, people of God, with my grace, my, my divine ability to get the job done in your behalf, even when you don't think it can get done. The, the ability for me to use you in spite of the things you're going through. The, the ability for me to partner with you and allow my grace and mercy to help you in a time of need. Realize it's really not about you. It's about now Jesus in you. That this Jesus in you who rose from the dead, who's your savior, who's your healer, who's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, who is coming soon. He's going to empower you in the rest of your earth journey to live for him and to serve him and to finish your course and ministry with joy. Can somebody say amen, amen, amen. Now, now uh, uh, until he comes, that, that's got to be our focus. He, he said, I'm coming soon. We don't know what soon means, but soon means everything's set in motion. There's not going to be any unnecessary delay. All the things that need to happen right on time are going to happen. So that means I'm part of God's plan. 
You're a part of God's plan. So God's going to use me. God's going to put me in different directions. God's going to put me in different, uh, around different people's paths. God, God's going to put me, move you to a different city as you look back at your life, how God got you where he got you, and now you're here. And now God wants to use me here for his glory, that his grace and his power works through me to people who don't know him. That's God's purpose in your and my life. In John 14, I'm going to read you this scripture. You've read it before. It's not just a funeral verse or verses, and yet it seems like every funeral I do, I always read these verses, and if any funeral I've ever been to, I've always heard these verses. Read them with me, and let's read them in a little different light. I want to bring uh, um, um, some revelation to you in a minute, so hold your green chair tight in just a second. Let's read all three verses and we'll break down them individually. John chapter 14 verse 1. Jesus talking, let not your hearts be troubled. That'd be a good word for somebody in the room today. You believe in God, believe also in me. Verse 2, my father's house has many rooms. Different translations, we'll talk about that word in just a moment. If that were not so, uh, uh, would I not have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? Verse 3 says this, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back. How many of you know that's good news right there? I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. Let's go back to verse 1 right there, guys, back in the back. Come on, read that with me. One, two, three, read. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Come on, somebody. But believe also in me. The first thing that Jesus addresses in his departure is you and I dealing with fear. Dealing with fear. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled by what's going on in the media. Don't let your heart be troubled by what's going on in the White House. Don't let your heart, heart be troubled about what's going on with education. Don't, don't let your heart be troubled with what's going on with sexuality. Don't, listen, if you don't know, the Bible says it's not going to get any better. It's going to get worse. Set your heart on that. Now, worse doesn't have to come to you, and worse doesn't have to come to your family. But the world is getting darker. Come on, somebody. That's what the scripture tells us. So this applies to our lives individually. When people say, what's going to happen in the future? Why is he slow? How come he's not come back? Doesn't he see what I'm dealing with? Do not let your heart be troubled. Different translations for this world troubled says this. Don't let your heart be agitated. Don't let your heart be stressed out. Don't let your heart be worried. Don't let your heart be upset. If you're upset on the inside, it's going to affect you in your mind and it's going to affect you in your body. Listen to me. And Christians, we call ourselves Christians, and so many are no different than anybody else in the world. Uh, when it comes to having a relationship with Jesus, I'm not saying that's not true, but we're stressed, we're agitated, we're frustrated with what's going on, if it's, if it's in the government, or what's going on in the world, what's going on with the young people, or whatever it is. Listen to me, do not get stressed out. Anything you see, you have the ability to pray about and have an audience with God. And God says, I'm going to hear you and I'm going to send some help. Come on, somebody. That's good news right there. So when it comes to Jesus coming again, the first thing that he says is don't fear. 
Don't fear. Don't fear the time you're in. Don't fear the generation you're in. Don't fear the government you're under. And can I just remind you that if we could roll back the clock and we could be like folks that either on Netflix or back in the day go to Blockbuster. Anybody a Blockbuster fan? Come on, anybody remember when you got that video it said, please rewind, be kind, rewind? Anybody? Come on. Come on, remember those days when you used to have to go to get a video? Come on, somebody. Anybody remember those days when you actually had to get your keister off the couch to change channels? Come on, somebody. Man, we've come a little bit of a ways, haven't we? But when it comes to all this stuff that we're dealing with, he tells us, do not fear. Don't fear. Don't fear. If we keep having our relationship with God and it gets more solid and more solid, fear will get less and less in your life. Read verse two again with me. Put it back up there, gang. My father's house has many rooms. If it weren't so, I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Keep it up there, guys, forever. Would you do it, please, for a moment? Um, In my father's house has many rooms, different translations, many mansions, different translation, many dwelling places, many dwelling places. (laughs) If that, my, my father's, my father's house has got many rooms. If that wasn't so, I would have told you. But I'm going to go there. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to be busy. When I leave, I'm going to be busy. I'm going to be busy working for you. I'm going to prepare a room for you. I'm going to get a mansion for you. Is Jesus up in heaven? Now listen, let me say this because I love you. Don't say a word. This is a question. Don't say a word. Because I don't want anybody to feel bad. Is Jesus preparing a condo for you in heaven? Don't answer. Is Jesus preparing an apartment, three bedrooms instead of two, up in heaven for you? Is Jesus preparing, you know, you live over here and you got a little tight place. He's going to give you a bigger place. He's going to give you a little acreage up in heaven. Is Jesus, you know, you've always wanted that cabin. You know, you never had a cabin. You know, you just wanted that cabin up at Tahoe. Is Jesus up there in heaven saying, you know, I got the perfect place for you. I got the cabin for you. Is Jesus saying, is Jesus saying, you know, what you do here, how you work for me, how you serve me, how you read your Bible, you showed up to prayer meetings, you know, you played in the praise and worship team, you know, you served kids, and you out there in a dream team doing it, you did some outreach for me, so you know what I'm going to do? Oh, baby, I got you. You're going to have a penthouse upstairs, it's not going to be a penthouse, it's going to be a suite, it's going to be a deluxe apartment in the sky. We moving on up to the east side. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all don't even get it. Some, some, just the old people get it. Come on, we're talking about Brother George doing it. Or, 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 or some of you, let's just be real, some of you haven't got it yet. You, you've been in the game for 20, 25 years and you just had not got it yet. And so Jesus says, you know what? Uh, because you didn't do what I asked you to do, I, I got. I, you, yeah, you're gonna be with me forever, but you got a basement. You got a little basement thing next to the closet, an old stanky restroom. That's what your heaven experience is gonna be like. Hmm. I have had this explained humorously that way. Jesus is up there. He's got his orange vest on. He's got his shovel. He's got his. You know. You know. He is a carpenter. So he got his carpenter belt, and he's up there with the angels working for your mansion. No, no, no. 
My father's house has many rooms, mansions, or dwelling places, ab abodes. If it wasn't so, I'd tell you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. Where is the place Jesus went so it could be prepared for us to spend eternity with him? The place he went here was not heaven. The place he is talking about is the cross. I am going to the cross, and the cross is going to prepare a place for you to be with me and with the Father forever. And in that place, in me, as you abide in me, and my word abides in you, and as we leave this place, there will always be room for you with me and with the Father forever and ever. There is rooms of salvation. There are rooms of love. There are rooms of mercy. There are rooms of healing. There are rooms of grace. There are rooms of acceptance. There are rooms of forgiveness. Everything you need, everything you need, is in him. I am going to prepare a place for you. That place was my life being offered in behalf of you on the cross. And now when you reach, when, when, when you receive me as Lord in your life, you have access to all the room of heaven. You have access to all the room of the Father. You have access to every single thing that you need in this life experience and the next one to come. You will never, ever get to the place where you have explored all that the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ, is. I am going to prepare a place for you. Can somebody in the church say amen? amen. These verses tell us at least four things. Look at them real quick. The way to eternal life is through the person, Jesus Christ. No other way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's through the person, Jesus Christ. Secondly, this scripture tells us the place he prepared by his death is now living in him. Now on this life experience, we live in him. We live identified in him. There's about 120 separate in the epistles, uh, 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 scriptures that talk about who we now are in him. It talks about in him, in whom, by him, by whom that now our identity is no longer Gary before Christ. My identity is now I'm in Christ. I, I was raised with him. I'm seated with him. I, I, I'm one with him. I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Christ. My identity completely changes now because of who he is. I find myself in him. Thirdly, this tells us that his peace, he gives us peace in this world as we continue to look for him. So I don't have to fear. He just keeps giving us peace. He said, my, my, my peace is going to be with you. I leave my peace with you. Then fourthly, he actually tells us, he promises us that he will come back so we can be with him forever. Man, listen, he, pro he gave us his promise that I'm coming back. I'm not going to leave you guys. I'm coming. He sent us the Holy Spirit, the scripture says, as a down payment that he's coming back for us. Come on, he paid ahead the down payment and he said, as good as the Holy Spirit is, you wait till you have my fullness and you leave this life experience and you get to enjoy me and the Father and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Don't miss that party. Come on, church. Don't miss that party. That, that's why we want the house full. 
We want to keep reaching more and more people for Jesus Christ. He said, I'm coming again. Pastor Chris Hodges, he pastors a great church in Birmingham, Alabama. He said this. He said, the end times teaching is a love story. He said, it's not a horror story. So, so if you read the end times, if you think about the end times, everybody gets agitated. People get upset. People get frustrated. People get worried. People get nervous. Listen to me. The end time story is a love story, not a horror story. I, I love this thought. I read it a couple weeks ago and I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. I want to give it to you. Check this out. No passage of scripture directs Christians to prep for the Antichrist. Now, now listen. I've been around through a couple of these, these um, I, I could say it this way, crazy, uh, uh, charismatic, because I am charismatic, so I could talk like that, crazy, charismatic, Pentecostal, whatever you want to call it, a, a, a flush moving away from Scripture to full-on panic that the Antichrist is coming. Full-on panic that all hell's going to break loose and just, just buckle down, baby, because it's winding up. We were in Canada, like some of y'all were living here, maybe wherever you're living, uh, on December 31st, uh, 1999, before D January 1st, 2000. Because when January 1st, 2000 hit... Katie barred the door, all hell's going to break loose. Computers can't figure out how to roll the clock, so you better watch out. And you and friends of mine, people close to me, they bought gallons of water, like, like not, ga not gallons, excuse me, they bought the tubs of water, 150 gallons, 300 gallons of water. We, we bought beans and we bought rice, and I didn't, but they did. We bought all this stuff because the world's going to crash and burn, and we got to hunker down and protect ourselves because Y2K is coming, the anti Christ is getting ready to come. It's been prophesied. Here he is. And guess what? January 1st rolled around and everybody's been eating beans for 21 years. 22 years. Come on, somebody. I lived through 1987. The brother wrote the book, 87 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1987. I read the, I didn't read the book. Had some people in my church say, you need to read the book. And I said, mm, I'm good. I'm good. And then guess what? Jesus didn't come back in 1987. And the brother rewrote the book, revised, because he missed one point. Let's true story. Let's just true. I'm up here preaching truth. 88 reasons why he's coming back in 1988. That was the book. God bless Dorothy. I remember. I bought the book. I had him sign it. Okay. I love our church. You guys are amazing. I need a little water. Can I get some water? Thank you. Um, don't give Kimberly, because she has backwash. I need some other wash. That's, that's an inside joke this past week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. No passage of scripture directs Christians to prep for the Antichrist. Can't find it. But numerous scriptures instruct them to await for Christ's return. Keep reading. It's a problem if your end time expectations are Antichrist centered, which is fear based, rather than Christ centered, which is love based. He loves me. Antichrist shows up. Ha, ha, ha. 
He loves me. Cut off my head. I go see Jesus early. You can't eat unless you got, I don't know what the mark of the beast is. I don't know 666 in your forehead. I don't know if it's a chip. I don't know if it's symbolic. I don't know. I don't care. Listen, I don't care. Why would you care? He loves you. Come on, somebody. He loves you. He flat out loves you. And so if you don't get what you think you should get, how you should think you should get it, I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to fear end times. I'm not going to worry about the Antichrist. I'm not going to worry about who he is. If he's rising up out of the 10, you know, the, the, the Union and European Union. I, I, I don't know if he's coming out of Russia. I don't, I don't know if he's, I don't know. I don't know. And I don't care. My focus is going to be on filling his house with people who don't know Jesus. Personally, it's going to be do not fear. Don't fear. Get your heart ready for what's about to come. How are we doing so far? Let's read some more scripture. Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Okay, stop right there. Don't read that book. No one knows. Don't buy that CD. Nobody knows. Don't watch that crazy guy that tells you he knows when Jesus is coming back. Jesus talking. Nobody knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Keep it right there for a second. Listen to me. <laughs> Jesus is saying this. Let me, let me help you out. Jesus is saying this as a man anointed by God, fully man, fully God on the earth. He says, nobody knows. The angels don't know in heaven, nor the son. He says, I don't even know. I don't even know, but only the father. Can I tell you something right now? Jesus knows when he's coming back. He's saying this as a man on the earth. Jesus knows when he's coming back. Verse 37. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. We talked about this with a series on Noah recently. It's going to be. So if we look at what was going on in Genesis with Noah, we can see what it's going to be in these days. Verse 38. From the days before the flood, this is with Noah, people were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, just doing life. No, no, don't care about what's going on, just doing life. Up until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. That is how it will be. There are two streams that we can see in the world right now. We can see, as I said a moment ago, wickedness is increasing. We can see it. I, again, I, I, don't, I don't lean into that. I don't have the news on all the time. I look at headline news. I read certain things. But I don't, I, don't, I don't live. I know some people have the TV on and are inundated by that news. And I think it's affecting you. So if I were you, I would cut down your news source greatly. Because I think it's probably affecting you emotionally more than you know. I just think that. Uh, but there are two separate events and two separate streams going on in the world right now. Wickedness is increasing. We could see that. But can I tell you something? The gospel is increasing too. 
The gospel is. So, so let me give you just some stats here real quick. In, in 1970, there were 1.2 billion Christians, 1970. In, in 2020, there were 2.6 billion Christians. They, they tell us that there are 7.6 billion people alive on the earth right now. Uh, so, so keep reading here. Look at this. Uh, more people have come to Christ in the last 50 years than in the previous 1,970 years combined. The last 50 years. So, so if you're 50 years of age or, or, or you're maybe older or you're maybe, maybe you're a little bit younger, there are more people that have come to Jesus in the last 50 years than the previous 1,970 combined. Listen to me. The gospel is spreading all across the world. Come on, everybody. There are, there, there are certain pockets in, in the 100, let me read this to you. In 193 sovereign nations of the world, the church is growing faster than the population in 76 of them. Uh, so, so again, 193 sovereign nations of the world, the church is growing faster than the population in, in, in uh, 176 of them. Uh, there are 17 nations that are not experiencing rapid growth. Five nations are in decline. 12 are in stasis. And sad to say, America is one of those nations that are in stasis. We're not growing. We're not declining. But we're just staying the same. Our job is to populate heaven because Jesus is coming again. Somebody say amen with me. Jesus goes on to say in Matthew chapter 24, verse 40 through 44, check this out. He continues this thought in Matthew chapter 24. He says, two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Verse 41, two women will be grinding at a hand mill, one will be taken, the other left. Is he speaking symbolically? Is he speaking prophetically? Is he speaking, I could say, actually, that, that just 50% of the people alive will be saved? I don't know. I don't know. Two women, he says, therefore, keep watch. He tells us this, keep watch because you don't know on what day your Lord will come. You can't predict that. You can't predict that. But understand this, he says, if the owner of the house had known what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch. Come on, you, you would have made sure your, your, your security system's on. You would have made sure your doors are locked. And he would not have let the house be broken into. Verse 44, so you also must be ready. Because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. You don't expect him. It's, 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 it's life as usual. It's just doing what we always done. It's going to work. It's kids at soccer. It's ballet. It's, man, I'm a little bit stressed. I'm not sleeping at night. It's doctor's appointments. It's, it's, it's working an extra 10 hours a week. It's, it's trying to save for the condo or the house now. It's dealing with stress. All that stuff's going on. But he says, listen, I'm coming. You, you, you need to be ready because I'm coming when you don't expect me. I'm coming when you don't expect me. And so I want to read this last portion of Scripture that, that Peter, who, who actually was with Jesus and heard Jesus speak like this, and Peter writes to his listeners, and we'll give you three points in conclusion about what we need to be doing. How, what kind of people should we be concerning that Jesus is coming again? What, what should be our focus? Fear? Of course not. We talked about that. Worried? Of course not. Stressed out? Of course not. Antichrist focused? Of course not. Of course not. But Peter says this in chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. He says, the day of the Lord is going to come like a thief. That's exactly what Jesus said. The heavens are going to disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. And now, now let, let's go back there real quick. Thank you very much, Amy. Uh, uh, there's a couple things that are going to be happening here, guys. And, and again, 
theologically and, and, and scripturally, there's some things that are hard to understand. But from what I believe about end times, I don't believe we're going to be going through the tribulation. I, I'm what you would call a pre-tribulationist. I believe that we're saved from the wrath that is to come. I believe the scripture tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he's going to come back. We're going to hear a trumpet. And if we're alive on the earth, the scripture says the dead in Christ will rise first to meet the Lord in the air. Then we which will remain will rise from the earth to meet him in the air. We'll be changed. Our bodies will be instantly changed. It's, it's, it's quite amazing, quite amazing. But, but there's another event that's coming after the seven years of tribulation. The scripture says that there's going to be, all hell is going to start breaking loose. When you read the book of Revelation, again, we re, is it symbolic? Is it true? Is it, is it, is it, is it poetic? What is it? Well, well there, it's true, but exactly how it's all going to play out, there, there, there are a lot of different veins of people that believe what they believe. And a lot of scriptures that back them up. So I'm not dogmatic about any of it, although I do believe that there's a rapture, there's a carrying away, there's a taking away of the bride of Christ. I'll talk about that in a minute. That the scripture calls us the bride of Christ, waiting for the groom, Jesus Christ. And he's waiting for us. And he'll, he'll bring us and he'll snatch us. The rapture actually means a snatching away and a taking away. So we're delivered and we're kept from the wrath that's to come. But there's going to be another event. <laughs> After Satan is cast in this bottomless pit for a thousand years and we're with the Lord for a thousand years, that all hell's going to break loose again. He's going to let him out for a season. And the Bible says that the earth and the heavens are going to be burned up with a fire. And God's going to make all things new. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Listen to me. You're not going to be floating around heaven for eternity, eating tacos on your tummy, playing a harp. The scripture says you're going to be ruling and reigning with him forever and ever. Listen to me. On a new heaven and a new earth. So I don't know how you think about this theologically, but I believe I like to cycle. I believe I'm cycling all until eternity. I believe we're going to hang out and have relationship with people throughout all eternity. We're going to enjoy one another with no sin and no stain. We're going to enjoy being in the presence of the Lord. We're going to church every day and worshiping our Father and honoring Him. Come on, everybody. Don't miss it. You're not just going to be floating around as some kind of little cloud. No, no, that's not what the Bible says. Come on, we got to think right. we got to think right. The day of the Lord is going to come like a thief. Heaven is going to disappear with a roar. Elements are going to be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done be laid bare. Look at verse 11. Since everything will be destroyed this way, here's the question. What kind of people ought you to be? Since this is true, who, who, who should you be? Peter tells us. You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements, he says, with the melted heat. We just read that. Let me give you three things in closing. What should we do? Peter just told us. Peter told us. Number one, live holy. Live holy. Live a godly life. Didn't mean a perfect life. Separate yourself from things that are contaminants. If you know it's contaminated, stay away from it. Stay away from it. 
Live pure, holy, godly lives. Wrestle. Wrestle in your soul. Wrestle in your soul with how much culture influences you. Listen, here's an area right now that that our young people are not doing at all. Our young people are not wrestling, blanket statement, with the effects of culture in their lives. If we see it on TikTok, woo, cool. If we see it in the media, cool. If my friends are part of it, cool. If we can do it, if it's allowed, let's do it. No dig on young people, just saying young people, old people like me, let's live holy, let's live godly, let's live pure, let's live, live uncontaminated. Let's, let, let's wrestle with how much we allow culture to influence us. My thinking, my worldview, what, what I believe about the Bible, what I believe about truth, what I believe about morality. Do, do you realize, I said a moment ago, that the scripture calls us the bride of Christ. The, 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 bri- the bride makes herself ready to meet the groom. I do not know any bride that didn't spend all the money they possibly could from themselves and or their parents to make themselves ready. Year in advance, we're looking at the dress. We buy the dress. We buy the, we, we secure the hall. We got the food, we got the flowers, we got the candles, we got the caterers. We, we've, we, and we ain't letting the decision for the groom what you're gonna wear. No, we telling you the bride what the groom's gonna wear. <laughs> Honey, you're gonna wear this. No, no, we ain't telling Jesus nothing. But, but we, we, need to, we need to get ourselves ready. Average wedding, 25K, Google says. I checked this morning. <laughs> Average dress, they said, $1,000. I think that's old. I think that's old. I, 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 I got to live right. I can live pure. I'm going to get my nails done. We ain't, we ain't talking just regular haircut. We're talking about haircut, haircut. We're, we're, we're going to get prepared, but we're talking not just make. I didn't you know, do, do your makeup every day. No, no, we're, we're bringing the, we're bringing that girl in. She's going to do us all. There's never going to be a day like this again. The bride, every day, you, me, we prepare ourselves. Listen, Jesus might come back today. Nothing stopping him. Secondly, Peter says, look forward to that day. Look forward to that day. Colossians tells us, seek the things that are above. Set your mind on it. Look forward to that day. I'm looking forward to it. I'm anticipating that day. Just like you would anticipate a vacation with your, with your, your family or your, or your friends. I'm, I'm anticipating that. I, I want to live with an eternal perspective. I, I want to anticipate that. I want to, I, I want to set my life aside and apart from just living for me. I want to, I want to look forward to that. I want to prepare myself. I want to organize myself. I want to leave off some stuff because that day is coming and it's coming soon. Things have been set in motion. And whether I see him in the clouds and hear that trumpet or I fulfill my life's journey when I'm 92 or whatever it is, I need to start preparing right now. And then lastly, Jesus says, and Peter says the same thing, participate in that day. Peter says, hasten the Lord's return. What's that mean? Work for him. Work for him. Work for the Lord. 
Use your gift, talent, and ability. Use every opportunity, we could say. Use every opportunity to talk to your family, to talk to your friends, talk to your coworkers about Him, about God. Use the opportunity. Use your finances to cause the mission to move forward. Use your finances. You can't take it with you. There's no, there's no, there's no U-Hauls behind the, your car going to heaven. No, no hearse has a U-Haul. So, so, so yeah, take care of yourself. Take care of your family. But come on, let, let's, let's seek God with our giving. Let, move the mission forward. And, and then, like I said a moment ago, use your gifting. Use your ability. You, use the grace of God on your life to serve uh, the body of Christ and to serve the local church. Uh, participate in that day. Hasten the Lord's coming. We could say, I'm laying down my life and I'm going to serve you, Lord God. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to partner with you and I'm going uh, to live holy. I'm going to live right. I'm going to live pure. I'm going I'm, I'm to for, look forward to that day. I'm going to anticipate that day. So what I do today matters concerning that day. There's only two days, somebody said, a great preacher that you need to be concerned about. It's this day and that day. This day. Never been a day like it before. This day, I'm going to make up my mind to serve God, to live for God, to worship God, to bend my knee to Him and allow His authority to penetrate my heart, to turn my life over to Him and allow Him to work in me because Jesus is coming again. Can you say amen? Come on, bow your head, close your eyes. Father, we pray that all over the room, those that don't know you as Lord and Savior, those that might be watching online right now, that today would be a day that they make Jesus their Lord and Savior. Father, I thank you for your purpose. I thank you for your plan. I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your heart in turning people towards God the Father. So all over the room, you online as well, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, while your head's bowed and your eyes closed, in just a few seconds, I'm gonna ask you to do something. Raise your hand, asking him to come into your life. He will come to whoever is willing, to whoever is open, to whoever is desirous. All over the room, makes no difference where you're at right now, where, where you've been, he's ready to meet you right now. Your point of need is the place that God will meet you. So all over the room, when I count to three, just lift your hand and say, pray that prayer, I want, I want Jesus. On, online at your house or wherever you're listening, you lift your hand right there and we're gonna pray for you as well. Come on, one, two, three. All over the room, lift your hand, that's me, I want Jesus. Awesome, awesome. I see your guys, I see your four hands. Man, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Five hands, come on. Come on, I see Jesus work. Come on, anybody else this morning? Wanna look one more time? Thank you for your boldness. Thank you for your honor, honoring him. Come on, you can put your hands down. We're gonna pray a prayer out loud. We're not gonna have you stand up and come to the front. Right there by the Spirit of God touching your heart, you say, I need to make a change. I, need to, I, I want God in my life. And he's gonna come. But he's going to come on the basis of you inviting him. So this prayer is an invitation for Jesus to be the Lord of your life. So all over the room, we're going to pray it out loud. You won't be by yourself. Let's pray this prayer, inviting God through the person Jesus Christ to take ownership of our life. So come on, all over the room, say this. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you right now in Jesus' name. I recognize my need. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. So I believe in my heart and I say with my mouth, God raised Jesus from the dead. Be my Lord, be my savior, 
forever and ever. I changed my mind and I'm changing my direction. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, everybody, let's stand up. Let's clap real big for these five. Some people maybe for the very first time. Come on, let's give heaven a great shout and thank God for him changing people's lives. Come on, Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, you're good. You still save people. You're coming, Jesus. We honor you. We bless you. Come on, church.